The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program contains important but graphic material. These topics are designed to foster discussion but may be objectionable to some. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. This program is a training program on human trafficking, sextortion, social media exploitation, and child pornography based on actual cases. Our mission is to eradicate human exploitation and bring predators to justice. Now, here is the host of the program, Opal Singleton. Well, hello. Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. We have an interesting show today. I always enjoy doing the show prep, and uh, I learn so much myself, you know, and I want to share that with you. And this is going to be a very tough subject. This particular show is all about women as predators or as perpetrators. And that's a tough subject, I'm going to tell you that. Before we really dive in, I want to share with you, uh, those of you that are in Southern California, and I, I do know this show goes all over the world, and we are going to hit several international cases today as we review them. But I just want to give a kind of a shout out for our team. Uh, Susie, Car- yeah, Susie Carpenter's on with us. Susie is the Media and Marketing Director for Million Kids, that is spelt M I. L-L-I-O-N, Million Kids. Uh, And by the way, you can follow us at millionkids.org. Or the best thing to do is go on Facebook at Million Kids and like us. Uh, Susie maintains that website and and that Facebook page, and she's just the best in the whole world. So we're grateful (laughs) for her. But on there is going to be a case that our team uh, was involved in. Both Susie and I work with the Riverside County Anti-Human Trafficking Task Force. And this is a group of men and women who I think are the best of the best. They go out and, yeah, amazing. I mean, people who do this to other human beings, in my opinion, are the worst of the worst. And these people go out undercover all over all over Southern California, but mostly in Riverside, to get perpetrators and free victims. And they are just our heroes. They have had a case, and I'm not going to go deep into it, but you'll probably start to see it coming out on our Facebook page. And it's all about a case involving um, an alleged, because we haven't gone to court yet, an alleged perpetrator by the name of Lawrence Gunn Jr. And he headed up a ring that went all the way to from here in Southern California to Alaska. Now, some of you know that I just trained in Alaska and uh, trained a lot of the um, law enforcement and, and uh, first responders and social workers up there. And it's fascinating. I When I was there, I saw how many of our cases are intertwined, that the same gangs that are up there are down here and vice versa. And, um, and doing some undercover work or at least some research, let's call it research, not undercover, uh, research work that I've done for helping find some people who are 
are missing. I was uh, surprised to see that the same gangs that are, for instance, in Redding, California, also in Anchorage, and some of them are down here. Well, I'm not going to go deep into the details of this, but it was a horrific case, and it spanned three states. But what was so horrific about it was the pimp was just a monster. The alleged pimp, okay, was just a monster because he had a moniker that he used called classified, C-L-A-S-S-I-F-I-E-D. And some of these girls were tattooed on their face with his moniker. And can you just imagine, we're about to talk about the impact of women uh, being uh, being perpetrators, but You know, in most of these cases, women are the victim, women and children. And quite frankly, we we often talk a lot about child sex trafficking, and that is horrific. But we don't talk enough about adult female sex trafficking. And some of these girls, now in this case, one of them was a 16-year-old girl. But can you imagine trying to deal with a tattoo down the side of your face for the rest of your life? I'm just so proud to be connected to this team of people. They are just absolutely selfless people who care deeply about kids. And when I hear people going on and on about law enforcement and how they don't care, I will tell you, you don't work with the team I work with. That's right. Whoever you're working with there, that's not the same team. Okay, so we're going to talk about women as perpetrators, and we have a lot of cases, so we're going to have to pick up speed here. I always over-prep on these things because you just go, oh my gosh, look at this, and then look at this, and i got to share that one and like that because we want you to know. But we also want to hear from you. You can call into this show if you're listening live. We know that this show goes out to 170 countries, and many of our people are listening by by archived. And by the way, you can get all these archived shows either on millionkids.org or on exploitedcrimes.com, that is exploited. Exploited, these words I pick, I can't pronounce. <laughs> anyway, exploitedcrimes.com. And just go under listen and you'll scroll down and you'll see all the different archive shows. That's really good if you have kids who need to do a term paper or if you just want to learn. It's on iTunes. IPod, you can put it on your iPod, you know, your iPad. You can listen to it any way you want. We also hope that you'll write to us either on Facebook Uh, at Million Kids Facebook, come on there and tell us who you are and what you're doing. Or you can always email me at opal, O-P-A-L, at millionkids.org. So let us know who you are. So as I started to analyze this, and I have been disturbed by this since I've been involved from the very beginning, because there's a fine line between perpetrator and victim in this business. And sometimes the line isn't so fine. I mean, it really, and and Susie's going to start with a case, the line isn't fine, trust me, the line is bold. It's a chasm out there. But, you know, I want you to think with me and share with me because my background is working with human trafficking in Cambodia. And that happens in Cambodia. People sell their children, families sell their children. But I was appalled when I first started here in the U.S. to find the number of cases of family trafficking where the mother is actually involved. I was amazed at the number of women who are involved in child pornography, either in a desire to to impress a boyfriend or just simply that they are, you know, pedophiles themselves and are collecting large-scale 
libraries. So hopefully we'll get to that. But think about what this means. When you have another female violating another female, that is huge because of the fact that there's this trust factor. You feel like that you should be able to trust another female. And when that goes wrong, I believe it's deep, deep um, trauma for a person, a lifelong trauma, a betrayal of words that you can't can't describe. So Susie's going to start out with a case that I've been following now since it first started, and now they've gotten a sentence, and it really is a horrific case. I think I talked about it in one of the first couple of episodes on this show. Susie, you want to start out with the uh, Tencho, is that her name? Yeah, Tencha. Um, this was out of Texas, uh, and I should tell you guys that uh, Hortensia Tencha Medeus was 70 years old. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, talk about breaking the mold. This should be someone that you look at as a as a loving, tender grandmother. But no, Tencha was running a $12 million brothel out of cantinas in Texas. Uh, the feds have called her the ringleader of a squalid telephone road brothel that trafficked in underage girls for more than a decade. The U.S. Attorney's Office, which prosecuted her and 13 co-defendants, one of whom remains at large. I think they finally caught him because this article is from in January. Um, it says, this landmark sex trafficking case is one of the most significant in scope and magnitude to be tried to a verdict of guilty on all counts and one of the few in which as many as 12 victims of an international sex trafficking scheme came forward to testify at trial. 12 victims rescued in connection with this case testified at trial regarding the horrors of their ordeals beginning with being recruited in their home countries only to be forced into prostitution against their will in the United States. Some victims were as young as 14 when the traffickers recruited them using fraud and false pretenses to lure them into the traffickers' control. The feds claim that Tencha oversaw an operation that made at least $12 million off undocumented Mexican girls who were smuggled, enslaved, and then sold out of the Las Palmas to Cantina. And that's likely a lowball number considering the feds allege that she personally pocketed $1.6 million over just a 19-month period. Court testimony paints an operation that was stunning both in scope and brutality. The girls were reportedly locked inside a room above the bar for hours, sometimes days at a time. And Tensha or an employee like her daughter, Delia Diaz, would escort special clients to the girls' room, explaining which ones had worked at the brothel longest and which ones were fresh meat. For men willing to spend $350 to $500 for an hour with a girl, sometimes as young as 14 years old, Tensha had hardly any rules. Just don't hit them in the face, she told clients. It depreciates their value. The case against her and her co-conspirators specifically mentioned 12 victims, many of whom delivered agonizing testimony at Tensha's sentencing hearing on Wednesday, well, this was back in January, prosecutors, however, insist that given the size and duration of the operation, it's likely hundreds of girls were victimized at Las Palmas, too. One FBI agent who investigated the case testified that Medias, or Tensha, justified holding many of the young undocumented girls captive by accusing them of owing her money for clothing, perfume, and food. Even though the girls were locked in a cramped, dank room above the bar, Tensha charged them for rent. Sometimes their debts would grow by thousands of dollars without explanation. 
Prosecutors say many of the girls wanted so desperately to escape that they actually begged their clients for help. Uh, So in the end, Tensha was convicted by a jury last year on multiple trafficking, conspiracy, and money laundering counts. Uh, they, she, she ended up getting life in prison, which, yay, although she's already 70, that's actually not going to be that long, we hope. Um, this is a horribly, horribly sociopathic woman in my case. And I want to also talk about the, the Johns. Um, if, if you're willing to pay for a 14-year-old girl who's locked upstairs, you're paying to rape a child. You know it. And I think as a society, we need to do more uh, in prosecuting Johns. Well, this is really, really a tough case. It got my attention when it first came out, and it's a complex case. Um, I can tell right now this is going to have to be a two-week show uh, (laughs) because we're already up against a hard break, and we don't have time to discuss that yet. So let's go to break, and we'll come back, and we'll start to analyze what this means from having a woman perpetrator. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. BMW of Riverside. There's no place like it. From the moment you step into our showroom, you are transported to a world where our professional staff is dedicated to delivering the ultimate in customer care and service. We understand that each individual has their own driving needs. So whether it's your first BMW or your fifth BMW, we consistently deliver the ultimate in customer satisfaction. Visit BMW of Riverside at the Adam Street exit off the 91 freeway or online at BMWofRiverside.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Well, hello and welcome back. Susie and I are talking about just a horrific case down in uh, Texas and um, where they were running a brothel with girls that were being coerced or seduced into coming to the U.S. 
And the purpose of this particular show is to look at women as perpetrators. Now, I can already tell we have too much material here to do this in one show, and I really want to dive down. I don't want to just look at these cases and go, whoops, that one's awful, let's move on. This is really, really an important subject. And I want you to come along on the on the journey with me as we sort through this. First of all, think about this. You're a poor girl down in Mexico or a Latin America country. Right now, those countries are just rife with crime and unrest. Um, you know, people talk about whole towns that are where the girls are being uh, put into sex slavery, not only in the U.S., are taken over to Japan and other countries, as I have studied this. And so, you know, you're already dealing with poverty, you're dealing with the family being threatened, you're dealing with crime, uh, you're, you're scared and like that. And then someone comes to your family and says, hey, you know, we can get your daughter a job up in, up in a uh, cantina, you know, she can make good money for, uh, for tips and like that and, and even send that money back home to help your family. And so this woman looks, you know, she's a friend of the family. She's somebody in the community. That's the way this usually starts. I read uh, a story called The Women of Juarez, and that it's an older book now, but I would advise you to read that because it really is a fascinating thing. Susie and I have been studying human trafficking for a long, long time, and as you all know, we work with it in Southern California, and each of these cases is different. For instance, the case that I first read today that our guys got, this was a, a girl that was, I think, a runaway, but you know, regular regular person, Southern California, who got lured in. But when you start to look at this migrant trafficking issue, and I have several cases here I want to look at, both here in the U.S. and overseas. By the way, we're getting quite a following out of the U.K., and uh, we yeah. appreciate you. Yes, welcome a whole lot of you out there, and I, I want you to know where, where you're there. And I, I picked a couple of cases that I think might interest you also, and I think people here in America need to understand but back to this case. So this this woman that's friend of the family, you know, there's this kind of alliance, woman to woman, mother to daughter kind of thing that you ought to be able to trust. And many of these cases that are migrant cases or foreign cases, even in Cambodia and, and uh, Thailand and places like that, the mother often encourages that it's okay for you to leave the family and go to a foreign country and get a legitimate job because you need to be able to send that money back home. And so there's this implied consent, this feeling this bond of trust in there. And what will often happen is that it turns out that that friend of the family was really a recruiter. And, uh, and whether that family knew it or not, it's hard to tell, and each case is different. So this this girl, the 16-year-old girl or 21-year-old girl, in the cases of Tincha, some of these, most of these women were adults, they get there and their lives become horrific, and they become horrific at the hands of another woman. Now, I thought Susie's point was well taken. This woman's 70. Yeah. And I will tell you, having read this story and remember reading it from the very beginning, she is one of the most vile women I ever met. Uh, I haven't met her, but I, I feel like I know her because I know the case. But, you know, they, she would sell girls as young as 14. I mean, this is a, a granddaughter or a great-granddaughter to her. And, you know, she didn't really care. She ran this brothel 
as an absolute cartel business. And we need to take the the glasses off here, folks. You know, women are in cartels. Women are king players in gangs. And this can really, really happen. So what do you do when you get in there and you find out that this is being run by a woman? And on top of it, it's a woman who's telling you, you know, you owe her. And you can never, ever get free. It's impossible to get free. And who do you tell? Because she has other women running this brothel with her. Including her own daughter. That's right. So who do you trust? You know, the people who are taking you from place to place. You know, the John, I I was amazed. Uh, Apparently, some of them tried to tell Johns, you know, I'm being held. Get me out of here. Uh, But it is interesting. Uh, You'll often hear this. In fact, here in America, I always say many of you will someday be on a jury. And you get into this jury room and somebody says, this girl's alone in a motel room with a guy. Why doesn't she ask for help? She doesn't know who she can trust. And quite frankly, there's been some kind of unscientific surveys that indicate that less than 5% of men who are buying sex will help the girl in the first place. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she can't ask for help. And I hope you remember that if you get one of these court cases. These girls were held in horrific conditions all day long and being moved from place to place and starting very, very young. And they don't even know if they can trust fellow victims as they're being moved around because these victims are being horribly violated throughout each other. So it truly is a case of how do you know who you can trust, and especially if they're another woman. I want to address this thing about another woman. You know, I believe, first of all, that when there's another woman involved in the perpetration, it deepens the shame. Because somehow a woman wants another woman's approval. And especially if that woman is your mother. Uh, I've often been, I've had a line of thinking lately about, um, is there such a thing as shame in the DNA? I've kind of gone along with the line of thinking of, uh, is there memory in DNA? Now I'm completely off the subject. But, you know, when your mother's shamed, if your mother's a perpetrator, or if your mother's involved you in the perpetration, meaning selling, allowing you to go off with a friend she knows is unsafe, you process that shame differently. And I believe, and this is just my personal thoughts, you know, I'm sharing with you, my friends out there, I believe that if there's also religion involved, that even greatly deepens that trauma. Because think about that. We think of God as being forgiveness. We think of God as being safe, that God will keep us safe. And so when you, or that God will judge us. So when you're starting to mix sexual trauma, sexual exploitation with things that are sacred to your moral perception, let's say, if it's a friend of the family, you begin to blame yourself. Why was I so stupid? What's wrong with me? I am ruined. I am so deeply evil that nobody will accept me. And then when bad things begin to happen to you, how do you go home? They knew that I was coming here for a job. If they knew what happened to me, 
they would never speak to me. And quite frankly, I'm going to, hopefully in this session, we're going to talk about that of Nigerian girls. They can't go home. In Cambodia, many of those girls can't go home, even though their own family started them down this path. Because the shame on the family is very, very great in many of these cultures. It's an interesting thing in America. We don't think of shame in in the DNA. We don't think of shame being brought down from generation to generation. But in many fa- in many cultures, what will happen is that you bring shame on the family if you tell what happened to you. So now you have multiple layers of trauma. This, by the way, for those people who work in churches and want to be able to do something to make changes in third world countries, this is the reason why, for instance, Cambodia, my first activity in Cambodia was setting up businesses there that that the girls could be trained in a vocation and then go out and have their own business so that they could go back to their villages. Once these girls are rescued, they want to go home. But they can't because the shame of what they've done is so great they can't go home. But if they have a vocation and a business, then all of a sudden they're self-supporting. And it seems like that that uh, veil of shame goes away when they're self-supporting and have income. So that is something that can be done in a lot of these countries. But what I want to do is stop here and understand what this victim was processing. Because she had a woman predator she had a a daughter she had a an older woman she had a daughter it was a family business and they most likely were lured in by family friends so you have layer upon layer of guilt and self-degradation i never can say that word but blaming self feeling like you are so low that you have nowhere to go many of these girls were suicidal Uh, They couldn't find a way out. There was no one on earth they could trust. They didn't want to live. They got up every day and were carted out there to be abused. And when you get in these cantinas, by the way, this isn't some guy just paying to have a little lovemaking. These guys are drunk. They're on drugs. They're gang members. And, you know, these girls are doing this 25, 30 times a day, enduring the most horrific physical pain and degradation you can ever imagine as a human being. So we're not just talking about a girl who goes out a couple of times a day like pretty woman. Uh, In fact, I get kind of disgusted sometimes when I think of pretty woman because they make it sound like it's going to be pretty. There's nothing pretty in something like this. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the level of pain and trauma these people experience, I hope I can convey that to you because once you do that, and especially if they're engaging religion in it, that God will never forgive you, that you are evil, that, that God doesn't love you, that you are l- really working with years of unpacking levels of trauma and um, anger and hate and distrust. It, it virtually is nearly impossible to ever have a normal relationship again. Susie, did you want to jump in there? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the only other thing I really wanted to add about uh, Tencha's uh, vileness that I, I had read over in the article was talking about she had hardly any rules for the Johns. And so when you were speaking of the brutality of what happens to these girls when they're in the room with this you know, customer 
she said, just don't hit them in the face. Other than that, it doesn't matter. Her sole concern was that it depreciated their value. These girls were nothing more than a commodity to her. To these girls, this is supposed to be a grandmotherly figure. Think about the betrayal that that set in motion for them um, you know, growing up, you, you think of an older woman as, as being grandmotherly and loving and the betrayal that this must set up in their psyche just just blows my mind because she didn't care what the customers did to these girls. Just don't hit them in the face. I think that that's an important point. And in our case, when we're looking for people who are missing and they're being sold on Backpage or Craigslist or any of the other, you know, everybody's after Backpage and they're bad people. I don't disagree. By the way, those that case was thrown out in appeal where the pres- president of Backpage was uh, was arrested, but they had already opened up two more sites offshore, so they were ready. But one of the things that we look for, and, and it, you know, I think this needs to be talked to about you know, people who might be looking at those sites and seeking sex. You see a site that says, I'll do what others won't do. I'm kinky. I prefer fetishes. You know, you need to know that's sex trafficking because what they're really telling you is that pimp doesn't care what's going to happen to her. He doesn't care. All all rules are off. Now, if you're buying sex, that may sound attractive to you. But I'll tell you what, you better at least listen up and understand that's a huge red flag that this girl is being abused. Because what they're really saying is you do whatever you want. We don't care. There's more where that came from. And you are going to be complicit in a sex trafficking activity. Mm-hmm. Well, We've come up against a break, and we've only done one case. I have like 10 more, so stay with us. We'll go to break, and we'll be right back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Seduced, The Grooming of America's Teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. BMW of Riverside. There's no place like it. From the moment you step into our showroom, you are transported to a world where our professional staff is dedicated to delivering the ultimate in customer care and service. We understand that each individual has their own driving needs. So whether it's your first BMW or your fifth BMW, we consistently deliver the ultimate in customer satisfaction. Visit BMW of Riverside at the Adam Street exit off the 91 freeway or online at BMWofRiverside.com. listening to Exploited 
crimes against humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Well, hello and welcome back. Susie and I are here talking about females as perpetrators. Uh, We know that most of our audience is all around the world, and and you can't call in. But if you're in uh, the United States, you can call in at 866-472-5788. We really appreciate your feedback and comments. Uh, You can can give us comments at Me and Kids on Facebook. Uh, You can also look at all these archive shows on exploitedcrimes.com. By the way, if you are in a church or a nonprofit or even a corporation, if you want to, and you want to offer free human trafficking training to your church members, your church leadership, um, let's say missionaries overseas, and quite frankly, we really are trying to reach as many missionaries around the world as possible, because it is the missionaries that are training kids in third world countries, and literally... Uh, the entire world is about to be connected to the internet. In fact, in Cambodia, 40% already of the of Cambodians have smartphones. Uh, I, I was with the Cambodians last week in uh, Kentucky. We all went to a conference where I spoke, and they were telling me about the impact of uh, technology on their on their groups. So, I would ask you contact us at uh, me and kids. And uh, opal at millionkids.org. That's how you do that. And just ask for an embed code. It's free. It is Susie and I's passion to train everybody we can around the world about how this works. And please tell, uh, you know, email your missionaries and say, hey, here's free training for you. You can get it on your own time. And then if you want to put the embed code on your, on your uh, church website or your nonprofit. Okay, enough. I want to get back to this situation. We're talking about how, what it's like when women are the perpetrators. Now, I'm going to tell you that in most cases, women and children are the victims, and I am absolutely passionate about that. I, you know, women are victims. I don't care if they're 14 years old. Most of these cases, the woman is a victim. Many of them are 22, 24, 33, 45. I mean, it's amazing what is happening. Now, are men ever victims? Absolutely, they are. Now, they're often victims different than women. And I've done an entire radio show on that subject. And so if you just go back to exploitedcrimes.com and look under listen, you'll see that if you want to know more about the men. So I, I don't want to disqualify that women are victims. I would not take one iota away from that. But it's a fascinating thing when you deal with this of how many of these cases the woman is the perpetrator. In fact, I'd invite you to go on Me and Kids on the Facebook page and start looking at all those cases that Susie posts there. And what you'll see is they arrested this guy, this guy, this guy, and Jessica somebody. Well, right. Jessica is the bottom girl. But in some of these cases, the the woman is the actual madam. And I want to clarify this because there's a wide range of how this happens. And this is why it's going to take two weeks to do this, I can tell right now. But there's a wide range. Everywhere from what Susie just talked about there with Tensha being a madam. Now, you know, she was not a victim who was so abused and eventually became a perpetrator. Now, maybe she was... a 
a victim as a child. We don't know that. But quite frankly, she very quickly became just a horrendous perpetrator. And so what you'll often have is a case of, uh, let's go from the very beginning, and we're going to cover all this in the next two weeks, where a girl maybe is, is molested, and so she begins to molest, or a girl is molested and she begins to collect child pornography, to where all of a sudden uh, a girl gets hooked into a sex trafficking ring by another girl. Now, that other girl is a bottom girl. And what we mean by that, that's a street term. And by the way, the real term for that is not bottom girl, but I'm going to keep it clean because we don't know who's out there. But what will happen is a girl will start in prostitution or a woman will start in prostitution as a victim. And at some point they promote her and she begins to, you know, collect the money and and buy the back page ads and do the promotion and even discipline the girls. And pretty soon she's required to recruit. Now, in that case, the girls move from from victim to perpetrator. And, you know, those girls, when we have those cases, are, and we're going to look at some of these cases, we kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. If they will give you the victim, if they'll give you the pimp, then she gets to be treated like the victim. But if she won't give you the pimp, then she is a perpetrator. And so that's how you transition from victim to perpetrator. What you'll see is about 60% of our cases involve another woman in recruitment. And then at some point, that perp- that bottom girl, I mean, her life isn't always easy. In some cases, she becomes absolutely vile and becomes like a vicious pimp. In other cases, she's kind of an in-between person where she is both victim and perpetrator. They beat her to show the rest of them how it's going to be. They electrocute her. They gang rape them publicly in front of the other girls to show the other girls. So she's still a victim, even though she's a bottom girl. But then some of these cases, as the one in uh, that we're headed towards, they start out as being a bottom girl and doing the control, and then they become vicious predators themselves. And then there are cases where they're just madams, and they're absolutely vile. There's some range in there where they start out being a bottom girl, but their desperate uh, need to please the they the pimp that they're involved with, they become more and more vicious. And then some of them are just sociopathic themselves and they cross all lines and are vicious in what they're doing. So I want you to know this is a very complex subject. There are no absolutes on this. And that's one of the reasons why this is difficult for law enforcement. Because as they look at it, they try to evaluate you know, how did this girl get involved in this? How long has she been involved? What is her level of criminal activity? How far over has she crossed from being victim to perpetrator? How much did she collect in this process? How much did she uh, perpetuate the crime? Uh, how much of this did she initiate? And how vile was she to the victim? So, this isn't black and white. It doesn't fit in tidy little boxes. Uh, and that's what makes all of this very, very difficult. So the case I want to talk about here is a case that's fascinating to me that has just happened. So I want to use the word alleged here because a lot of this is um, 
arrested and uh, being charged. And so we're going to use the word alleged until they get to court and we find out where this goes. But the case caught, uh, caught my attention. There's two different headlines. I think only one of them probably is on our webpage uh, or on our uh, promotional page. The headlines, one of them reads, 28 Chinese women freed from American prostitution ring. Let me say that again. 28 Chinese women freed from American prostitution ring. And the other one that's related to that is five arrested on suspicious of running sex trafficking ring. Now, this is fairly current. This is August of this year. So they're still in the charging mode. But this case got my attention because of the level of women that actually ran this. Uh, And the fact that it's an Asian ring, quite frankly, I am so proud. This started in Camarillo, uh, California, up north by Santa Barbara and Ventura in that area. Actually, it's closer to Ventura. And uh, they started the case, and I give them credit because I believe there's not enough effort being looked at for Asian sex trafficking in the United States. There's a lot of reasons for that. One is it's harder than heck to tell the age of an Asian girl. I'm kind of jealous. They never age, those women. Anyway, uh, they, they just seem to look young forever. So, you know, when the when law enforcement is looking at this, they're looking especially for minors in this. And uh, it's kind of hard. But if you start to look at Backpage, it's a fascinating thing. Whenever I go out to speak, people will say to me, well, is there a particular ethnicity that is that is targeted? And I say, no, they'll, they'll sell a 500-pound purple elephant. They don't care what you look like. You don't have to be pretty to be involved in this, by the way. And, you know, it's about equal, but it seems to me lately on Backpage that I've seen a lot more Asian activity. Uh, and there's Latino, there's African-American, there's Caucasian, all kinds of ethnicity. They don't care, but there seems to be a lot of Asian activity. Now, in this case, a man ran this by the name of Jerry Wang, and he had a sister and he had a wife. And the sister and the wife were heavy hierarchy up in that group. And one woman controlled it. It was She was like the dispatcher. And this covered five counties, I believe. It ran from San Gabriel Valley uh, over by Camarilla, uh, Ventura County, down to San Diego, and even over to Fresno. Now, this ring was so lucrative. But the woman, the, the wife, controlled all of the meetings, okay? And she was like a central dispatcher. And she set these up all over. So you can imagine how the victims felt. The victims here were 20 Chinese women that were brought in legally, uh, not illegally. They were brought in on uh, to the USA for legitimate work visas and study visas. They all had their passports taken away. And this really was n- just nasty, nasty sex trafficking slavery. In addition to the work they were forced to do in the sex trade, they were charged fees. In other words, every time they had sex, they were charged for the motel. They were charged for the food. Every time they were transported from motel to motel, they were charged for the travel. They even had to pay for their own back page ads. These girls were running a ring that was averaging 350000 a month. Now, Jerry's sister was responsible for the money laundering here. And in a different article, I remember reading about this. this they had over 50 different financial institutions. You talk about lucrative. They had nine, excuse me, 50 different accounts and nine different financial institutions. Jerry's sister was investing the money they made in real estate so that they could do the money laundering of this money. Uh, 
There's a lot of wire transfers going back and forth between the U.S. and China. It's literally in the millions of dollars to running this ring here. And they would move these girls around. Now, I want you to think about this victim. We're about up against another heartbreak. This just goes way too fast. But think about these women. They're brought in. They're Chinese. They don't know where they're at. They don't speak the language. And they are being controlled by another woman. And every time they have sex, they are not only having to turn that money over, they are being charged by the other woman for everything that happens. The motel, you know, the food they eat, the travel from place to place. How does this work? They have someone or the same ethnicity Someone who brought them in, someone who promised their family they were going to be students, they're being brought in and they are put into slavery. How do you process that level of trust? How do you process that betrayal by another woman? By the way, who do you trust to get free because you're having to give all that money to another woman and you don't know it, but they're actually buying real estate and sending that money back home? And as a Chinese national, you are shamed. You have brought shame on the family. You are humiliated. And you can't tell the family back home what has happened to you. And they most likely were promised this. Your family back home was probably promised this by another woman. That's why they let you come to America. Stay with us. We're at a break. And we'll be right back. Seduced, The Grooming of America's Teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest-growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers, will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. BMW of Riverside. There's no place like it. From the moment you step into our showroom, you are transported to a world where our professional staff is dedicated to delivering the ultimate in customer care and service. We understand that each individual has their own driving needs. So whether it's your first BMW or your fifth BMW, we consistently deliver the ultimate in customer satisfaction. Visit BMW of Riverside at the Adam Street exit off the 91 freeway or online at BMWofRiverside.com. listening to exploited crimes against humanity if you have a question or comment please send an email to opal at millionkids.org that's o-p-a-l at millionkids.org now back to exploited crimes against humanity here again is opal singleton 
Well, hello and welcome back. This is Opal and Susie Carpenter is on here with us today. Um, and we're always glad when Susie can be on here. Susie's our media marketing director and she runs our Facebook page at Me and Kids Facebook. And she's the one that comes up with all those great stories that you get to read. By the way, the reason we put those stories out there, I know many of them are disgusting and some of you just you know, say, oh, man, why do I read this? We put these on there because we want you to look at each case from a standpoint of the victim, the perpetrator, and law enforcement so that we can say never again. We're not doing this for entertainment or amusement, but we want you to understand. We want you to drill down and put yourself in the place of the victim and go, oh, my gosh, how did they get tricked? How did that happen? And what can we learn about the perpetrators so that we can stop this? And how do we train law enforcement so that we can recognize how to to stop this? Now, we're doing quite a bit of overseas cases or at least foreign national cases today because we have a foreign national audience, okay? Mm -hmm. But I also want you to realize that this kind of grooming process, this kind of trickery and luring in is all taking place in America as well as overseas because none of these kids ever understood, none of these adults never understood the route they were about to take. It's all about delusion and being groomed, being processed something, selling you a dream, selling you a fantasy that gets you to take that, lower that level of trust and take that step to go down a path you normally would never go. And it's all based on the fact that you're going to be able to live a dream or at least get out of the hell you're living in. And so I want you to understand that, that it's important that we look at foreign cases as well as U.S. cases because the process is often similar. Now, because we have so many U.K. and uh, Italian, Spain, uh, Spanish listeners over in Europe, I picked a case that I really want to close off with today. This is all about, the headline is, Migrant Crisis Fuels Sex Trafficking of Nigerian Girls to Europe. Now, this isn't happening only in from Nigeria and only in Europe. I had a friend of mine that just came back from the refugee camps over in uh, Turkey and uh, Jordan and, and Lebanon area. And it's just, uh, it's just heartbreaking. One of the things that they're doing there is they're putting all the kids in what they consider to be a secure location. It's a high-profile. Uh, prison area that they've converted to a camp. But when you start mixing the older kids, separating the kids from their parents, and you're mixing the older kids to the younger kids, you are asking for trouble. Anytime you are dealing with migrants and refugees, you are talking exploitation. These people have almost no options, and so that is how it happens. Well, I'm going to kind of give you the highlights of this case as we close this out, because I I can already tell I'm going to run out of time. This is all about Mary, who was 16, a woman approached her mother at their home and offered to take the teenager to Italy to work. Her family encouraged that because they were hoping she would go out, get a job, make some money, and send the money back home. Well, Mary ended up being trafficked for prostitution. She described three years of forced selling of her body, being beaten, Threats at gunpoint being made to watch as a 14-year-old virgin was raped with a carrot before she was sent out on the streets of Turin in Italy. Three years is a lifetime, folks. Three years. I mean, in the United States, and I'm not saying this is wrong, by the way, 
But if we're, we're violated once, we seek counseling. This girl endured three years of this. She's 16 years old. She's alone and she's in a gang. Well, eventually she was arrested by the Italian police and they repatriated her back to her southern state of Edo. But her family rejected her because she had been trafficked. We see this over and over and over in a lot of these countries. Where does this girl go? Her mother said, hey, go ahead. It's okay. She's gone. She's endured three years of hell. She was arrested. She was deported. She's hopeful that her family will take her back in so she can heal. And her family rejects her. She says, I returned with nothing and I hated myself. It says here that her ordeal ended when there's a soaring number of Nigerian girls that are just like her. They're mainly being trafficked over to Italy. Now, I can appreciate what it's like to be in Italy. By the way, I've been in Italy several times. It's probably one of my most favorite countries on earth. You have such a beautiful country, you know, and so is the UK, so is Greece. I love it all over there. Trust me, it was great. But this girl... You know, so many of these girls are being taken from there to Italy. Now, Italy doesn't want them, quite frankly, any more than the U.S. wants them. If you hear on the US, on our TV what is happening over here. She was forced to sell sex by gangs taking advantage of the chaos because of the migrant crisis going on in the, every day over there. Think about this. They don't want you there, and you don't want to be there. But you can't get free and you belong to a gang and everybody's judging you. They're looking at you and you are forced to endure hell on this. Thousands of women and children are lured to Europe each year with the promise of work. But then they're trapped with huge debts and they're bound to the traffickers by a religious ritual. In this case, it's called the curse of the juju. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't know anything about the curse of the juju, but I do know when you mix sex and sex trafficking and sexual exploitation, degradation, sodomy, rape, over and over and over, and it's being done in the name of God, it doesn't get any more evil than that. I happened to, as Susie and I last year, we worked uh, behind the scenes with with the FBI and another organization called In My Backyard, and we worked with the Super Bowl, and we happened by accident to trace a victim of sex trafficking into the dark web and saw, well, it wasn't in the dark web, but it was a sex trafficking ring. And we will never forget what that looked like. And I think when this kind of thing is done in the name of religion, that is absolutely vile. These girls are getting younger and younger that are being brought from Nigeria into into Italy. And there is no good solution that I know of because, you know, they're going to end up in prostitution. More than nine in 10 of the Nigerian women that are trafficked to Europe come from Edo, a predominantly Christian state with a population of about 3 million people. So, before going to Europe, the girls must sign a contract with the traffickers to finance their move, racking up debts of $100,000, and then they have to seal that pack with this religious ritual. Well, you know, I don't know. The belief in black magic means they fear their families may fall ill or die. They own this pain. They own this guilt. Their belief is that they are responsible for their family 
if they die and if they can't pay off their debts. This is absolutely huge. They're being violated and they're carrying the responsibility of the religion, of the shame, of the guilt, of the rejection, and bringing shame on their family, not only in the community, but shame before God. Well, folks, it's been one fast hour, and we already have a ton of stuff for next week. I hope you'll stay with us and and follow us. Please follow us on Facebook. By the way, I have a book. If anybody's interested, go to Me and Kids or Me and Kids Facebook. The book is called Seduce the Grooming of America's Teenagers, and it is all about how the fantasy relationship happens. It's all about the grooming process. Whether you're overseas or whether you're here in America, it's all about creating a fantasy that you fall for. When that fantasy is created by another woman, it is dastardly. It is beyond the pale. It creates levels of trauma you can't even imagine. So we hope that you'll follow us on Facebook this week. Write to us. Tell us who you are. Please share this show with everybody that you can. Ask for an embed code so that you can put it on your website. And stay with us. Bring your friends with us. And we will see you next week. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Please join your host, Opal Singleton, for another edition next Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll have another important discussion next week.